This is Cole Zerman, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Warren, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Welcome to Agriculture Today on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Sierra Doctor, and we're also here from Whitney Pittman and Randy Conan in studio. Today we're on the road here in Fargo, North Dakota at North Harvest Dry Bean Celebration Day. Um, that's happening and it's also if you can't make it in person there's also a live stream component as well our sponsorship of our coverage here today is by BASF and we'll talk with that crew in a minute Um, but in the meantime Randy can you give us a little bit insight of what's happening in the markets yeah for sure the uh... thanks Randy Uh, as we mentioned we're here in North Harvest Bean Day I'm here with BASF um, Scott Hammond Scott um, here at Bean Day it's, it's it's a pretty big market here for the upper Midwest no, definitely. It's it's uh, great to be here at Bean Day today. It's it's, you know, it's a great opportunity to come in and get updated on the dry bean markets, the uh, production practices. You know, visit with some of the longtime growers of dry beans, and and it's it always amazes me how they're here every year trying to get those little tidbits of information. And uh, you know, BSF we bring a lot of tools and stuff to to help fill those gaps, uh, and we're here to support those those dry bean growers with our product lineup. Yeah, certainly. Um, give me a little bit of insight of what's all on the product lineup for dry bean growers. What can they utilize? Well, we've got a number of brands, uh, starting with our soil residual products, with our Prowl H2O, uh, Outlook as a, as a soil-applied residual, right into our post-applied herbicides with our Baristo, Bassagran, who have been solid products for years on the post-weed control side. Uh, great fungicide options for our Endura line of, of white mold control and uh, Preaxer for our rust and plant health. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, we also have uh, right up to the end with the... Uh, production here is sharpened, uses a good harvest aid, help you get that crop off timely, keep that quality there. Yeah, certainly. When we think about, you know, from the beginning to the end as farmers are getting ready, um, what are some some seed treatment line portfolios specifically for that that timeline? Yeah, we do. We actually have Obvious Plus labeled for uh, dry edible beans. It's a great product for all those seed, seed-borne pathogens um, and uh, actually just came to market here a couple years ago for that for that acre. So it's one of our newer brands for this for this acre. Okay. Is there anything new coming down the pipeline by BASF for dry bean producers? Um, we don't have anything brand brand new this year. Uh, we are we are switching some brands around with our Raptor and uh, Beyond into Beyond Extra. Um, that would be the newest for the for the dry bean acre for this year. Okay. Um, as far as as hitting you know multiple modes of action, what do you recommend for that? Um, it's always good to start out with uh, residual products and dry beans uh, and then layering in another mode of action from the residual side along with those post-applied products. So it's important uh, not just for dry beans but really for all crops to have as many modes of action as you can to, to combat the weed resistance. Yeah, certainly. Um, when we think about farmers, I mean, they're really thinking dollars and cents and, and, and keeping um, their margins. So and, and taking a look at their bottom line, especially in this economy, um, what are some options that farmers can take to utilize, um, maybe utilize their bottom line, but without losing or sacrificing some of their yield? Well, you, I mean, it's all part of the big, the big picture in production agriculture. You know, you have to have a solid program for weed control, disease control in each of your crops because it all builds into the next. And, uh, you know, dry bean uh, commodity prices are, are pretty good. I mean, I've heard some decent contracts out there. And, uh, you know, it's all part of uh, being as profitable as you can. Right, certainly. As I mentioned before, we're here we're at uh, North Harvest Bean Growers Association. Stay tuned. We've got a lot more to talk about with BASF. They've got our full coverage here for our live um, coverage here at the Holiday Inn. Reporting agriculture's business.
This is the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Sierra Doctor here at North Harvest Bean Day in Fargo with our crew at BASF, who's sponsoring all of our coverage today for our live event. I'm here with BASF Nick Salentine. Um, Nick, I think wheat control is always top of the mind for a lot of producers. Looking back at 2022's growing season, what were some really um, kind of key problematic weeds? Yeah, it seems like more and more uh, there's been tougher to control weeds, especially when you look at some of the pigweed species, water hemp in particular. Um, and then, you know, when you think about the dry bean grower, um, nightshade's been a, a problem uh, for some of these growers to control. So we've, you know, do our best to layer in some residuals and talk about certain chemistries that we can help out some of these growers to control those tough, tough weeds. Yeah, what were some of the key, the key products from BASF that, that um, actually help in, and control some of these weeds? Yeah, so we've had uh, a couple of these products on the market for a while, but um, when you look at uh, from our post standpoint, you know, we've got Varisto, Bassagran, and Raptor, but layering in those residuals, uh, specifically Outlook, uh, you know, whether it's with your Varisto, um, but something that will help you get more modes of action on the acre. And the biggest thing with some of these weeds like water hemp, pigweed, and nightshade is to control those weeds mostly before they get up because that's what those those products are designed for is control those weeds before they even come up and emerge. So um, it's, it's always better to just have that mindset, um, better to just leave those weeds below the ground. Once they get above ground, especially water hemp, um, gonna be tough for control because they grow pretty quickly. Yeah, and I mean, water hemp, big, big topic in the weed world, especially for dry bean growers. It's kind of right here in the, in the region of dry bean growers. Yeah, and you look at, uh, just not just dry beans, but uh, other crops in general, um, just puts more emphasis on combining modes of action, layering in residuals, and like I said, just trying to keep those weeds from emerging in the first place is probably the best way to go about it. Mm-hmm. We think about the planting season and we lay out a timeline. I mean, what's what's a? Can you give us a good timeline for herbicide applications and, and making the most of it? Yeah, I mean, from a pre standpoint, uh, like Scott mentioned, probably H2O. Um, is our product of choice. And then when you move into that early post market, uh, you're probably going to come with something like a Varisto Bassagran mix or, or just Varisto, but certainly consider throwing in something like Outlook with that Varisto application um, just to, again, layer in more residuals. Yeah, thanks, Ben, or Nick. That was Nick um, Salentine here. Um, I want to bring in Ben Sigelski. Um, Ben, let's talk a little bit about white mold. I mean, we had kind of a cooler, wetter spring, and there were cases white mold tended to rear its head. Yeah, it definitely did. It's it's a very economically important disease every year, uh, especially for the North Harvest uh, Dry Bean Growers Association. Our region is cool and dry. In a lot of areas last year, what was interesting is that it got dry toward the end of the the year. A lot of people didn't think that white mold would be a, a big issue, but an important thing to keep in mind is that the climate at at six feet above the crop canopy can be a lot different than it is in a dense uh, dry bean canopy. Um, So cool, moist conditions, very conducive to white mold. Um, So yeah, it's just, it's important every year to stay on top of that. Yeah, talk to me about maybe some application timing and and rate that's really successful against white mold management. Sure, yeah, uh, without getting, you know, to a thousand feet high here, but um, you're looking for pin pods. It's um, early flowering, early R2, we call it. Um, basically, white mold or, or sclerotium infects the um, the flower petals of the dry beans. So if you got flower petals out there, 
your crop is susceptible to white mold infection. Um, you're also trying to get that fungicide to the flower petals. There's no magic formula for nozzles, volume, droplet size, things like that. Michael Wunsch is doing a lot of research on that, but essentially you want to protect those flower petals. So if you've got flower petals in your crop canopy and those pin pods, you want to be out there spraying. Right. Well, that was Ben Sigelski here with BASF during our coverage of North Harvest Dry Bean Day here in Fargo. Um, I'll turn it back over to the studio for more farm news. The American Soybean Association is hoping to increase soybean reference price in the title in Title I of the new Farm Bill. ASA Executive Director of Government Affairs Christy Seifert says the 2018 trade war made the need clear. The current Farm Bill and the process of um, going through the China trade war in, in 2018, soy's farm safety net through ARC and PLC was hardly triggered at all our largest export partner stopped buying soy. And so that clearly showed a gap in our Title I farm safety net. And so uh, we, we truly uh, feel very strongly, as our members do, about having an improved and increased soybean reference price. Additionally, Seifert says ASA wants to see an option to update soy base acres for those programs. If you look at soy plantings, we're talking about 87, 88 million acres of soy planted. Last year, soybean base acres for ARC and PLC purposes totaled about 52 million. So that's 30 plus million acres of soy plantings that didn't have access to the soy provisions of ARC and PLC. ARC and PLC um, did not correlate to, to the soy at all. So we want to provide um, soybean growers, others as well, um, the option to voluntarily update their base acres and have a better reference price for soy. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzlo says the strength in the wheat market today is pretty surprising. It's a surprise in the hard red wheat especially because we have the dollar a little bit stronger, the crude oil flat to a little bit weaker, and we also had a, a situation where the models are starting to get a little bit, bit wetter for the hard red wheat area in particular for next week, another system, snow system coming through, it looks like, late in the week. So I'm wondering if, if you knock all those things out, it could be a wheat corn spread reversal where the trade's been buying corn and selling wheat. An uptick in demand is the reason. Mostly in the soft red side, so that leaves essentially, I think at this point, the mindset that maybe the hard red wheat is being looked at on the supply side again, especially given our exports are picking up. We had good export inspections Tuesday, nice export inspections again uh, this morning on the You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Friday Farm News here on the Red River Farm Network, uh, coming at you live here from Fargo, North Dakota at North Harvest Bean Day. Uh, our sponsors and our coverage is made possible by BASF. I'm here with Bill Olson of BASF. Um, Bill, you guys have always been pretty big supporters of, of North Harvest and, and bean growers at Bean Day here. Uh, yes, we have. You know, dry beans have always been very important to, to BASF. You know, basically we cover this crop from start to finish. Uh, we've been a part of this for a number of years. Uh, it's fun to get out here and see these guys, see the enthusiasm to keep planting edible beans. Uh, it's an important crop in this area. It's a great crop for rotation. Uh, and again, we uh, we really appreciate it. And so I'd like to say thank you to the farmers for sticking with this edible bean crop. Yeah, well, they're a good good group of growers. Um, looking back on the past growing year, I mean, give me a little bit of recap of what some dried bean growers faced. 
<laughs> uh, we like to talk about a typical season, but I don't even know what that is anymore. So, you know, we started out, thought it would be a decent spring. It got really wet, pretty delayed. Uh, we got this crop in, I would say, kind of late. Uh, a lot of early June planting. Then we had some heavy wind come through, uh, took some of the crop out. Some of them replant, some didn't. Uh, in general, then it started to dry out towards the end of the season. And Mother Nature really, she did bless us with a long uh, late fall, which helped us get the crop off, even though some of them were late. So some areas still maybe didn't have the yields they'd like, but I think in general, a lot of pockets, it picked up in the end and turned out pretty well. Yeah, and you know, farmers like talk, we talk dollars and cents a lot of the time. And when we look at kind of what BASF can offer, um, talk to me through some of the, the financing options that you guys are looking at. Yeah, I know. So a lot of things changed in that finance business this last year. We had we used to see rates anywhere from three to four percent for guys for operating, and now that's almost doubled in some cases. So uh, we partnered with John Deere Financial this year again. Uh, we like to. Uh, we've had zero percent for the last number of years, and we kept it at zero percent again this year. So if you think about a dry bean crop, and you want to go start to finish with whether it's the Bristol Bassagrands, Outlook Prowl, ended off the season with desiccation with Sharpen, uh, filling with the, in the middle of the time frame with the fungicides, keep your white bulb out with Endura, rust out with Preaxa, or you can finance that whole crop for zero percent from start to finish. Uh, so I think it's a pretty important thing to look at if you're a grower out there. Uh, I know even if you have the money. Zero percent sounds pretty good going from now to December. It certainly does. That was Bill Olson here with BASF. BASF is our uh, sponsor for our live coverage here at Bean Day. I'll hand it back over to the studio. Fertilizer prices are lower compared to last fall as demand fell and production increases. Stonex Director of Fertilizer Josh Linville says raw input costs are falling. We continue to focus in on the European natural gas market, uh, specifically the Dutch TTF. Back in August, when the worst was going on, Russia had cut supplies to the Nord Stream. There was tons of uncertainty about what could be imported into Europe to backfill uh demand in the wintertime was expected to be very high because of cold temperatures, we had seen that number get to over $100 in MMBTU. Nobody thought there was a chance that price would fall. That was something we watched but certainly didn't anticipate. Monday, close of business, that same value that was 100, 103 I believe it was, closed the day at $17.50. The supply system has been cautious, not wanting to get caught with high prices inventory. If they see prices going down, they don't want to buy the high and go sell the low. That, that makes them lose money. So everybody is being a little more cagey than normal as far as putting product in place. Fortunately, you're right. We had a pretty good fall season. Uh, our forecast on and hydrous application was fairly close to actual. Uh, we believe P&K demand might have been down a little bit. There might be some catch-up with the prices down. But overall, we're still expecting a pretty robust spring season. Uh, you look at it, we're still planning on 93 million acres of corn. Uh, 89 and a half on wheat or beans, I believe 49 and a half on wheat. That still equates to a very, very big number for nitrogen, phosphate, and potash demand. Rains in Argentina continue to shift east, it, uh, northeast to the eastern part of the nation where only light rain will fall. The next round of most significant rain is expected to occur late next week into the following weekend. World Weather Incorporated says most of all of Argentina will receive significant rains by the end of January. Far southern Brazil will continue to struggle, however, with dryness and moisture stress. Northern Brazil will continue to see a good mix of rain and sunshine delaying harvest at times. 
CoBank expects the U.S. economy to progressively slow through the first half of 2023, and fears of recession remain high. In their quarterly report, CoBank says the continuation of the war in Ukraine and economic slowdowns in China and Europe, combined with La Nina weather conditions into spring, will keep pressure on grain storage and merchandising margins. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture. Let's catch up with Ag Week reporter Mikkel Pates. Mikkel, what do you have for us on the cover of Ag Week? This is a story about farmland values, and we get these high-popping high price tags from northwest Iowa and places uh, $30,000 a, an acre on a 75-acre parcel and uh, $26,000, $25,000, and so on. So kind of a visit with some of the folks down in that part of the world talking about what some of these prices mean, whether they're an aberration or affected by other uh, kinds of uh, things other than just strictly agriculture, maybe a, something that's a swap deal because some town wanted to install, you know, uh, an air uh, airport somewhere or um, whether somebody is expanding around a town and things get uh, added to the public uh, version of what farmland value is and then how those big numbers how far they you know have an impact psychologically on the you know values even up in the Red River Valley or as far east as Indiana Illinois and so it's a look at you know the psychology of land values and where they may may be heading and you said it there it's psychology isn't it yes it's you know what is stuff worth it's uh, worth what people think it's worth and uh that can be influenced by 1031 deals where you're trying to swap out something for property that you're selling somewhere else. But uh, with farm economics and prices of inputs and you know profit margin margins uncertain, uh, people look at these numbers and can't figure out why they make any sense, and sometimes they don't. Well, sounds interesting, Mikkel. Looking forward to reading about it next week's Ag Week. And let's uh, check markets here before we leave you this afternoon. We're seeing wheat in Minneapolis, 5 to 7 cents higher. We've got uh, Chicago wheat up 6. Kansas City is 15 higher. March corn is down a penny and a quarter. December corn down 1. March soybeans down 8.5 at 1506 and a quarter. We've got the uh, July soybeans down 10 cents at 14.93 and 3 quarters. March canola right now trading down $11.40 a metric ton. February live cattle up 72. January feeders down 17. And February hogs $1.25 higher. Thanks for joining us. This is the Red River Farm Network.